Hi, I'm Amanda and welcome to Self. On this podcast, I share ideas, experiences and have conversations to explore the self. By developing our own self-awareness, we can better show up for ourselves and those around us and hopefully all live happy and healthier lives. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking about what a nomadic life is really like and joining me is one of my besties, Maria Antonia Vegara. Maria Anto, <laughs> welcome to Self. Welcome back. Thank you, Manders. <laughs> okay, so nomadic life. We actually, last time you were here on the show, we spoke about love. Yeah. We spoke about it's the a great Valentine's loves. Day. Yeah, it was a Valentine's episode and that was excellent. And because we met during our nomadic adventures, I thought you'd be a great person to bring on to speak about this. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, I get a lot of people saying, you know, oh, you're living the dream life and we are. <laughs> yeah. But there are many aspects and many sides to it. So yeah. let's start with how long you've been living this nomadic life for. Okay. Can I just fix your shirt because I'm, I want it to look great in camera. Oh, thank you. Thank okay. you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so um, I did not plan on living this nomadic life. It kind of just happened. I was working for the government actually back in Panama. So I, had, I was working for the government. I think a few people that I've met are the same thing and then you know how like your best friends with someone, but you don't actually know what they the did other, before, what what they do for work. Like yeah. it's only because we work together that we do know what exactly. We do for work. Anyway, sorry. So yeah, you're working for the government. Working for the government. I had a really cool position. I was working in the film commission, mm. um, which meant I got to travel a lot. Which I mean, traveling has always been like I've always loved it. Um, yeah. I grew up in an international school, and I went from my school. I, I used to be in the debate club. No surprise there, and we traveled a lot to like. Guatemala and uh, the Netherlands every year. Yeah. So like I had this opportunity to travel around a lot. After I graduated school, I went to um, Germany because I went to learn German. And then after I graduated university, I went to South Africa. Like traveling has always been like a big thing for me. Mm. So um, I was in this job position. It sounded great. But again, working for the government um, can be very frustrating because there's a lot of rules. There's way too much bureaucracy and a lot of things don't happen. So I was in a moment where I was very frustrated. Yeah. I just wanted to get out. So I decided to do a master's um, in the UK. I had a really, really cool program I found. I applied, I got in, and then um, I applied for a scholarship, the Chevening Scholarship, which is a full, fully paid scholarship Amazing. by the UK government for people abroad. Um but it's really hard to get in. And the only condition is you have to go back to your country and work for at least two years after that. Right. Like it ties you to, you have to go back. Um, I was like, okay, I'm going to get it. And then um, I'll just travel before. So I booked my flights to Southeast Asia. I'd never been. I really wanted to go. And I was going to travel for like two and a half months, three months. Then I was going to go back to Panama, get my stuff sorted and go to the UK. That was the plan when I mm. left. Like May 5th, I think it was. What, uh, when was 2017. This? Okay. So I have the picture like in the airport with my bag and everything. I'm like, okay, I'll be back in two and a half months. And I was going to go to Cambodia and I was going to go um, to Tahiti because I was going to do a, a, the v, the VA, like canoeing world championship was there. And I was like, oh, Tahiti is really close to South Asia. I'm just going to go. Then I learned Tahiti is close to nothing. It's in the middle of nowhere. But um, it was just like that was my plan. And then when I was in Cambodia, I remember we were going to go to Angkor Wat the next day. I was my my younger cousin. She graduated university so we brought her to travel with me um 
I got this email saying that I was in the wait list, that I didn't get the scholarship. And I remember just like my world crumbling and just being like, oh my God, I'm never like, you know, and, and I knew people that did get it that year. And like, why did they get it and not me, you know, and like all these insecurities came up. And the next day I was like, you know what? I'm an anchor Wat. I'm not going to let this mess up my experience. This is one of the most amazing places and I've always wanted to come. And it was mm. just like, you know, this is whatever. I can deal with it. But it really bummed me out. And it was really like, okay, what am I going to do? Because going to do this master's would imply like $30,000 between paying the university and living in London for a year. And I was like, I don't want to... I don't want it that bad. I'm, I want to do it because I want to leave Panama. I don't want to do it because I want to do the master's pretty much. Like it was yeah. just like one thing for the other. So I was like, no. And then my 21-year-old cousin was like, well, you want to do your master's. Why don't you just do your dive master? You love scuba diving. You might as well. It's a master's, right? <laughs> it's a master's. Yeah. And I was like, fair enough. And I was like, okay, I'm going to stay here, do my dive master. I was in Malaysia then. Um, and then I'll just go do a program, a master's in Spain because it's cheaper and I can just go to Spain. And that time I didn't find any program I really loved. Mm. And I was like, it's not, I'm not going to do a master's just because, you know. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to say six months traveling and then I'll go back. Yeah. And then um, those six months I was traveling and I had the opportunity to stay for a New Year's retreat, a yoga meditation retreat. So I stayed. And then around that time... Um, I found a job in Hong Kong uh, working in outdoor education. And I was like, okay, I can. I had a year off from work at this point, like a mm. non, like non-paid one year off that you could get. So I had to be back in August pretty much of 2018. So I was like, okay, I'm going to work in Hong Kong this one season and then I'll go back. And then I was in Hong Kong. I remember I was in China in Fujian, this like place in the middle of nowhere with these like 500-year-old, you know, mud houses and doing, you know, getting paid for going on hikes and taking kids yeah. out. And I was like, oh, I don't want to come back. Yeah. So I actually um, wrote an email to my parents telling them an that email. I, an email. Because time difference. And also I'm a coward and I'm way better at writing than speaking. Right. And I told them I wasn't coming back, that I was going to quit my job. And um, they were not happy. Mm. My dad was not happy. He actually sent me a very long email that I read recently again. I read it to Daria, her friend. She's been on the podcast. Yeah. Um, and he was, yeah, it was a really hard email. Even when I read it now, like I cry and it's just a lot of truths, a lot of concern, a lot of like, you know, you go from this to that, to this, to that. And like, what are you doing with your life? You're not 15 anymore. Like you're, I was 28 at that point, 29. Um, and he's like, you're just following, you know, what are you following? What are you doing now? It's first, it was this, then it was scuba diving. Then it was, now it's free diving. Like, what are you, what, what are you doing? Um, but then I, and he actually left the family chat group, which is the three of us. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so then, but then I was able to read it and really understand that it came out of a place, not of anger, but a lot of concern because he wasn't. because yeah, he loves you. Yeah. And he's worried. Exactly. It was yeah. a lot of worry of like him not being able to provide for me in the way he wish he could, like a safety net of being like he doesn't financially he doesn't have the same place he had, you know, when I was 10 um because of various reasons in life. So I could see that it came from there and not a place of anger, but it was um, being projected yeah, yeah. onto you. Yeah. yeah. So then basically I stayed um working in Hong Kong that second season, so I was in Hong Kong like January to April, May 2018, I came to Bali to do my freediving master's. Mm -hmm. And then I went back to Hong Kong for another season. 
Then I went back to Panama. And then I started working online for my mom's school and still did outdoor ed jobs. So I would work in, I went to Fiji for a summer. That was really cool. And it was a lot of um, seasonal jobs. So you'd work three months straight or two weeks or three weeks. Like you just had these seasonal jobs where you're working full on, but you weren't spending any money. So you could then have time off and actually be off and do your thing. Um, And then I was doing that, went back to to Panama for 2019 and then the pandemic hit and no, that was 2020. You came to Bali in 2019. No, no, no. I left to Panama like December 2019. Oh, yes. Yeah. yes. So I did 2018 um, outdoor ed, 2019 started working a little bit online, but also did outdoor ed and then um, went to Panama for the holidays and the pandemic yeah, yeah. started in 2020. Yeah. I was about to fly out and um, I actually got a job online remote the day the lockdown began, which was very, very fortunate. Awesome. Um, and then, yeah, it just kind of officially that that's like my my main job really so it allows me to move around and it isn't a freediving company um which is great because I just go to freediving places and I meet people and it's kind of work while you travel and it's great yeah gets to all be linked in together exactly so yeah so that's how it started it was never a plan of I want to live this nomad life so I'm leaving I think it would be scarier to just be like, I'm selling everything, I'm packing, and I'm leaving. Because I talked to a friend recently who just did that, kind of like left his flat back in the Netherlands, and he was like, it's a lot of things. You know, like now I'm officially kind of like leaving there, and I don't have anything to come back to. And yeah. I can imagine it's terrifying. And, and Yeah, that's what I did. Yeah. Yeah, the first time it was meant to be a gap year, and then coming back, I guess like in the same way it was, it wasn't this whole plan of, seven years from now I'm still going to be on the move but it was sell a bunch of stuff get rid of it all and let's just see where we go after a year and then after a year coming back and going I'm just gonna stay in Perth for a bit to get rid of more stuff and then keep moving and then it just kind of figures itself out yeah so are you living your dream life um I would say yes I don't think I ever dreamed this life. Yeah. But every day I wake up and I'm like, I am so lucky. Even the days, I think it was maybe four days ago, I was exhausted physically. Like, because people think that you're living in Bali and you're doing all these fun things. Like, you're super relaxed and you're just on holiday all the time. And it's like, no, like, I'm doing a lot of stuff and I'm physically and mentally really tired and I still have to, so I'm I'm training. I was doing my, my training for my freediving, which physically takes a lot of energy. Yeah. And then also mentally in a way, like you're just exhausted. Your brain doesn't work sometimes. Like it's just like, you need to rest, you need to nap. Um, And we're also in the sun a lot. Yeah. Exactly. tiring. (laughs) So I remember going to bed that night and just that feeling of my bed being nice and just lying down and being like, I'm so lucky that this is my life. I'm so tired. But like I'm going to bed in this apartment that I love, not apartment, like a little, my room, my house, that I love, that feels like home. Like it's just really nice to feel homey on the other side of the world in a way. Like Yeah, to um, still have a sense of that feeling of this is where I belong. Exactly. Even though it's not where you would classically define something as home. Exactly. And um, I mean, I, I think I've been looking for a bit of like settling down and rooting. Mm. Um, for a while, that's why I decided to do my master's in last year in Spain. Again, it was like, okay, I'm gonna do a master's. That's gonna force me to stay still. 
and I hated it. I chose the wrong place. It was like, I hate being here. And everyone's like, oh, Barcelona, it's the best city in the world. Like, I love it. And I'm like, yeah, no, it wasn't. But it's not, it's not for me. It's not for you. Yeah. Exactly. And it was just, there's nothing wrong with the city yeah. inherently. It's just not for different me at that strokes, moment. different folks. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So it's really nice to now feel like I don't have to do something to stay there. I can just decide to stay there, you know, yeah. like Bali, because it feels like home and it's great. And I, yeah. and I really, really like um, being in, in Ahmed. Yeah. Yeah. What else do you love about this life that you're living? Um, I think, I think, I don't know if it's just the life or my personality, like the amount of friends, really good friends that I can both have. Yeah. Cause and you're like, a, cause yeah. you're a lovable person, obviously. <laughs> um, I think it's just, uh, yeah. Having like wherever I land, I know someone in a way, you know, like mm. the world just becomes so much smaller. Uh, like now I'm going to Kalamata I've never been, but I know so many people that have been and they're like, oh, I'll put you in touch with this person. You have to go to this place. Da, 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 da. So it doesn't become like you go to a place and you don't know anyone yeah. or it's like completely new, which I also kind of miss a little, like that feeling yeah. of traveling alone and getting somewhere and like getting to the airport for the first time that you've never been in and just being like. Oh. that. Yeah, it's this kind of a mixture of um, it's exciting. It's also a bit of anxiety, <laughs> I, that feeling of I don't know anyone, I don't know what I'm doing. I remember that feeling when I got to Cambodia the first time because I was traveling by myself and I was like. That's where I went when I started it, traveling. That was one of my, I think the first place I went to alone was the US uh, for six days. <laughs> it was so random. But before, yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, there was, I also went to Cambodia and Vietnam by myself and just spent a couple of weeks there. And then you're like, oh, I'll go to hostels and you've just got no idea, just yeah. open to everything. But I agree. I love that part of this lifestyle. I think it's also our community, like the freediving community is that we, there's quite a few of us who move around a lot. Yeah. And so you have these bubbles of family everywhere yeah definitely and I think um what you said now about Cambodia and that arriving in the hostel I feel like there's two different moments in my life where it was like I was traveling yeah and then I was like living my life yeah while traveling you know Agreed. I I do miss being able to go to a place and just explore it and mm-hmm. not think about oh I have a call in like this long and did the, like so when I travel with my parents or yeah with friends it's really hard for them to understand like I'm not on holiday I have to work and it's yeah. hard because you have to mentally be working but you're also trying to enjoy the moment with them and it's just really for me from the way my brain works it's really hard to segment like my brain so even my cousin the same 21 when she was 21 we talked recently she was like I can see that you're here but your mind is thinking of that email that you haven't sent and you're stressing out so you're stressing out over that but you're also stressing out because you're here so you're not really enjoying thing and I'm like oh it's really hard especially when you're around people that aren't work they're on vacation right they're on vacation so it's a different thing especially when I go home it happens a lot when got family visiting and things to do and it's like oh I can't go to the you know the zoo because I have to work yes yeah, so you just, are missing yeah. out and stuff well I guess it's just different for most people who are working a five-day work week their weekend is the two days that they've got off and so it's easier to give yourself permission to completely relax mm-hmm. because your Monday is the start of a new week whereas for us our lives look like we get to have that fun every day. day. <laughs> it's incorporated into our day. So it's like rather than 
waiting until the weekend to do it. We do it during the week. It's just factored, you know, work has to factor around it. And then we still get a a day or so off or whatever to really enjoy ourselves. And then we don't, I don't know about you, oh, this year we both took a bit of leave and took some time off. And that was magic for me because just as you said, we're never really on holiday, like an actual holiday mode where we're disconnected, where it's like, you're not going to reach me on Slack. I'm turning all my notifications off. Yeah. It was like back in the day when I worked full time and actually took leave and it was so nice. I did not 100%, which was really exhausting. Well, I did it from our job, but then I also help out my mom's school. Yeah. So what I remember like I was so I, and it wasn't like I took off to be on vacations. I took off time to do a teacher training yoga for yoga, training, which is yeah. a lot of internal work. It's, like Yeah, but lot. it's also physical work. Yeah, yeah. It's still mental because you're learning. <laughs> yeah. So I remember just one day in like the sharing circle, I just started bawling. And I'm just like, I just want to like have time off, you know, yeah. just have time off. Um, and I think that's one of the things that people don't see and don't, yeah. you know, it's one of the things like, oh, but you're, you're having the dream life. Yes, it's a dream life, but it is mentally like you're always on in a way, mm. at least my experience. I think other people are lucky that they have like, a, it can be a remote job, but they have certain times, you know, which I'm like, they have to be on Monday to Friday in front of a computer from whatever, eight to four at certain time zones. And they, they move, they choose to, you know, whatever, change the times. But I don't. Me is more like my responsibilities, just get it done. Yeah, get yeah. It done Other than it a done. few set meeting yeah. times, it's you work around. Exactly. And that's just pros and cons pros of and each, cons. right? Like, exactly. I think for both of us, we we wouldn't like a you need to be in front of the computer from nine to five yeah. every day. That would be the same for me as like just Going living in Perth. Yeah, yeah, working in an office. It's just that you're at home. Exactly. Also because my brain just works better sometimes at night, which is hard. Like I'll be not productive at all during the day, just struggling to get things done. And then it'll be like 9 p.m. at night where I know I want to go to sleep because my body's tired. My brain is just like, all right, let's work. And I can have like Let's these three, done. four hours where I'm like, but then you go to bed late and then you wait. And I'm just like, okay, yeah. I have to be able to find a better combination of things. But I think this lifestyle for both of us means that we get to prioritize the living first. So most of the time it's like we get to enjoy an activity that we love, mm-hmm. which might be free diving for me in winter. It's snowboarding. I get to do a couple of hours of that in the morning. And I think that that removes a lot of a particular energy within my body. You know, it's like I've taken care of myself yeah, and I've put that in order and it's like, all right, now we can sit down and get shit done. Yeah, which I think I really enjoy living here because of the time zone differences. Mm. When I'm back home in Panama, yeah. I wake up and it's like Maybe. calls at 7, 8, you know, like yeah. full on from the morning and then I don't have that time to do my thing. Mm. And then I'll force myself to go to gym in the afternoon but it's not the same. Like I'm tired. I'll find excuses and you have traffic and blah, blah. Well, here it's like, wake up, go diving. You you come out, you eat, you sit and you work. And yeah. then, you know, you work till six, seven o'clock at night. Or maybe you go have dinner, see the sunset, and then you work again a little bit more at night yeah. and that's it. And it's just, it works so much better for me because I've realized how important my morning, having my mornings to myself is good. Like a few hours in the morning. Movement, activity. Yeah. The stuff you love about life. Exactly. What else is hard about this 
nomadic life that we live. Again, this is my experience. I think the financial part is super scary. Mm. Um, just I think everybody's different, you know. Like I know some people that are nomads and financially they're very well off because yeah. they're they have their own coding company and you know they do this or you know they work in something that gives them tech <laughs> in tech basically tech computer programmers yeah, yeah you know they earn good money where they can just travel like they work it's not the same thing they work same you know hours whatever but they have this like very lucky thing where they can just not worry about how much they spend a bit or traveling There's just a bit more financial freedom yeah for some people for sure. who are yeah. digital nomads so yeah. me being in my mid-30s <laughs> just turned 35 um that part is the scariest part. Like not having that financial security really mm. terrifies me, um, which is why I'm like, so I do investments in, you know, real estate and trying to think about, okay, long-term, how am I going to, how am I going to do this? Um, and I think it's also at least my generation, I feel or my, like a lack of education in, 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 in finance. As yeah. A financial kid. literacy for like, sure. No idea. Like, mm. you know, I wish I, I wish when I was working at the government, I had, saved a lot of money instead of paying for a stupid master's program that I didn't even finish because I started traveling and it was online and online education is not for me. Um, I could have gotten a down payment on an apartment a hundred percent and yeah. paid for it. And it's just like, why didn't anyone present me that as an option? Why wasn't, you know, investment and, in, you know, thinking about your money long-term something I had as a, as a kid, as a, you know, early twenties. I would have made very different decisions. Probably still live this life, hopefully, but just with a bit more financial security. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm like, oh my God, this is terrifying. Um, but yeah, and it's something I talked, my, my friend recently, he messaged me or we were just talking and he's from Panama. Um, and he's like, oh my God, you're like, you're so lucky. You're living the life, blah, blah. You know, you, you, know, you are living the dream. And I'm like, yeah, but it also comes with that, you know, you have the financial, he has like an Airbnb business and like this beautiful he has like two different houses, one in the city and one in like the mountains. And he, you know, mm -hmm. he has like all these things. He has a, a sailboat, you know, and he's not super, super rich. It's something that like he, as he's like my age, but he's just been really smart about investment. And like he works at a bigger company and all this stuff. He's like, yeah, but you're living like what you're living. No one will ever take that away from you. And I'm like, yes, it's true. But it's also terrifying at times. Yeah, it think. is scary. Yeah, it is. And I, and I, I totally understand my dad's email of him being like, what do you, you know, I cannot provide, I can tell you everything's going to be okay financially forever. Yeah. Um, and to me personally, like my story and my thing, I always felt very dependent from my parents. And it took me a long time to realize like, I'm not dependent. Financially, I've been on my own for a good amount of time. Yeah. But in my head, I was like, oh, my parents, are, you know, and my dad's like, I haven't given you money. Like my dad will help me out. Like he'll pay something and then I'll send give money back, you know, when, cause he's in Panama and I'm here, but him giving me money hasn't happened for uh, years. Mm -hmm. And it only like maybe two years ago was when I was like, Oh wait, I'm, I'm affording, like I'm paying to live in Barcelona to pay for this master's to go out and have a drink. Like this is, I'm doing it. You know, <laughs> like, it took me a long time to realize, Oh yeah, I'm a grown up. <laughs> like I did this. I built the life that I want. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's it's a nice feeling to have that, like feeling empowered of of what I do with my money and my time and what I choose to spend it with. Hmm. What sacrifices have you made to be where you are now? Yeah, uh, <laughs> obviously love, 
I think that's the biggest one. Yeah. I think having this, not to be where I am now, but having this lifestyle, I think it's mm. very hard to find a partner. Um, I think that's the biggest, like, and everyone, like, back home, it's like, you come to Panama, you're here, in six months, you'll have a boyfriend, you have, and I'm like, yeah, but why do I have to sacrifice the life I want to find someone mm. where, you know, like, I'm really hopeful that you'll be able to, that I'll be able to find someone that has this lifestyle and we can work around it a bit, yeah. you know, or shout, has the shout confidence. Out to, um, all the <laughs> hot single digital nomad guys who emotionally intelligent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Please yeah, have yeah, gone yeah. to some therapy and <laughs> yes. done some work on yourself and love the ocean. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I will vet you first. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think that is one. Sacrifices time away from your family. Like especially mm. I live forty hours away. If I you know, like when you do if the math of how so if anything or, happens. Yeah. So in the pandemic I was very at one point, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to go insane. I'm locked in my house with my parents for 10 months. But um, at the same time, I was like, I'd rather be here because I'm nearby. If anything happens, I am close to my parents, to my grandparents. And, like, even today, I talked to my grandma. Um, and she's like, when are you coming? You said you were coming in August. And I'm like, no, I didn't. <laughs> I come back every year, you know. But I, because, again, this is something that I feel very fortunate again, even though I'm far away, when I go, I get to spend two or three weeks with them. Yeah. While my cousins might live a country away, an hour flight, but they can only go a few days because they have to work, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I get to go, stay with them, work online, have my meetings, take them to the grocery store, you know? You get to live. Exactly. Yeah, with them. Exactly. Which is something that I really, really appreciate. And I try it every year to at least go for a week or two weeks to just mm. be with them. Um, so yeah, so in a way it's like something I gave up is being close to my family, but then also something I gained is that I can be around them as long as I feel like it. It's a different kind of quality time as well. Like we both have, um, unofficial nieces and nephews, Mm -hmm. like through our friends who all have babies and you know what it's like when these kids remember you because they spend so much quality time with you you're not there and distracted and doing a million other things with them in the room and maybe seeing them once every few weeks it's like you go there and you spend all day or a few days with them creating so many beautiful memories and they don't even have to spend like this huge amount of time over a year but I know that some of my friends' kids, like, they're such cute, great little <laughs> humans and they remember me, you know, yeah. and they will ask ask things and nickname me and come up with different stories and it's just, like, I think you realise that and go, yes, it sucks that I don't get to be there and see you as often as I'd like to. But at the same time, when we make time, because this life allows us to, like, really create time and space mm-hmm. for people, the quality of that time matters a lot more and has yeah. a much better, a much greater impact. Yeah, for sure. And I'm really excited to go see my nieces and nephews. I today. know. Yeah. I know. Is there anything missing from your life now that would make you feel more fulfilled? Someone to share the fun with would be nice. Mm. But again, that a few nights ago and went to bed by myself in my big bed, I was like, this is so nice. This is me and my yeah. stuff, you know? But it also makes me think of the kind of relationship I would like and mm. realizing that I would be okay with not having to be together with that person all the time, you know? And, like, the importance of 
being on my own a bit and having that space um, and really appreciating the time that you are when you are together. Because if the person I'm going to be with is also in this lifestyle, they're also going to want to move around and they also want to fulfill their things and their hobbies and, you know, whatever. And it's great that you can interlap, but then also have some time apart and it'd be yeah. okay. Um, Which I think is quite a foreign and strange idea for most traditional relationships of people who are building something in one location. You know what I mean? Because the typical thing to do is you start dating, you get married, you buy a house, you have kids, you settle down in this one place, you're both working. And the idea of one or two people then going off and going off on separate adventures for a short period of time and then coming back together I think feels quite uncomfortable for people. Yeah. It's a different kind of relationship. Yeah, it is. And I think, again, every relationship is a world on its own. To me, the most important thing is having kind of like the rules straight and the communication clear of like, you know, and maybe like, okay, we're going to see each other every two, three. I had a long distance relationship. I would see him at least once every month. Mm. Um, And it's like, to me, it was fine. I I felt no doubt or anything. Um, And I could do it and I'd do it again. If you know eventually there's going to be, like, more time together. Like, a weekend every month was hard. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I think I think it's not a traditional thing. And that's why it's my friends It's not a traditional home, life. Exactly. That's why it's hard to find someone. Um, Already it's hard to find someone, you know, that meets the minimum requirements of someone you want to be with. And then add that the life. I think the life, having a lifestyle is one of the hardest things for me, finding someone that has – yeah. A similar lifestyle um but yeah again it's not the end of the world either and it's not something I'm willing to compromise on yet of being like okay I'm gonna go back and settle down because I want to find a partner and have kids and stuff it's like yeah. no it'll happen yeah it'll happen and then I think for a long time I was very scared of like I'm never gonna have it because I'm living this life and my therapist was like you're gonna find a partner you're gonna have kids and you're gonna keep on traveling you know and I'm like yeah actually yeah, that's what I want. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, yeah, it's not worth the compromise of you not doing what truly brings joy to yourself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I, if at some point you make an active decision that actually you don't want to move around as much anymore yeah. and you want to be based somewhere, that will then fulfill you and make you happy. Exactly. But I can imagine that right now for you, if you were to do that, just to find someone like you're not going to be happy doing that no (laughs) and also you wouldn't be stoked with the caliber of men (laughs) well it's just only because of a mismatch of values right yeah like a part of your core value system one of those things like is adventure seeking it's it's doing all these things that you love it's finding homes in other places it's not just having security for the sake of security. Exactly. And I'm not sure that those qualities, not that they can't be found, but it's much harder to find that in people who are based in one spot and have lived there their whole lives and then don't move around. Yeah, to me, having a fixed home, like a fixed space, isn't necessarily security. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. I think it's a false sense of security that we are sold 
because then it means that you buy a house and you kind of tie yourself down and it can feel really comfortable. But at the end of the day, it's a house. It's a house. It's just a thing. Yeah. That is meant to give you this comfort of like nothing else could go wrong, but anything can happen. Yeah. It can. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, for me, it's just, um, I'm happy right now how, how I am. And I do, like I said, I, I do love having like a home base and mm. feeling like I have a home base here is lovely. Um, and then I know I'll be moving around at the end of the end of the year for me is always like a lot of traveling, which yeah. is a lot. And every year I do it. And every day, year I'm like, I'm not going to do it next year. And then I look at my calendar and I'm just me. like, I'm doing it again. And you message me and you're like, man, why do I do this? And this year is no different. I know. I'm just like, oh. And then it's also, for me, it's, so my, my brother passed away in November. So around that time, you and then the holidays come yeah. after, and then his birthday is right after. So it's like, I know around that time, a lot of, it's like a, it's like you go through cycles, right? And like you go through that same spot, maybe a little bit different, but it's kind of that same spot. Yeah, yeah. So I know emotionally, it's like a lot of stuff. And, and I think just, at that time, you, you, for you, not universal you, but you want to be around your family. Yeah. And you want to be around your parents. Exactly. So I kind of always scoot down back home around that time. Um, but yeah, it's a lot. This year is a lot of traveling. So it'll be interesting. I'm going 21, like 20-ish days to Greece, then two weeks to Tenerife, then a week to Boston and a week to Miami, and then I get home. Um, and then I'll see you in Japan. In Japan. And then I'll, yeah, and then we'll go to snowboarding. And well, I won't really be snowboarding. I'll probably be just falling on my butt. Yeah. Um, in Japan in Feb. So yeah, but it'll be great because I'm really excited to see, you know, Miami, I have my my cousin and her babies and meet the new baby. And then yeah. in Boston, I have my best friend and her babies and lots of uh, babies, lots of babies. Yeah. So like my free diving ends like October 31st, pretty much. And then it's a month of babies and then quality home. time, quality time with the babies. You know, I think something that excites me for you is as much as like I know that it's hard finding the right partner in this kind of life because the the market availability, if we can call it that, is much smaller. It's not just like anyone who's available in the city. It's like, well, I think it's harder because through this life that you are living, you know yourself better. Like you know how valuable you are as a person and as a partner and so that is going to narrow it down. That's not a yeah. bad thing. Yeah. And I also think because you move around and you travel so much, the intensity when you meet someone is way higher. You know? Oh, 100%. It, it, that, that's something people understand. It's like, but you've only met him for two weeks. Like, yeah, but those two weeks, you've spent every moment together or you've seen each other every day. When you meet someone yes. in the city, you meet someone, you go on a date. Maybe next week you'll go on a date. Maybe if it goes really well on the weekend, you'll go on another date. And it's just slow and steady, you know, whatever. Here it's like, oh, you're leaving in a month? Oh, you okay, like so you just all you this wanna, time. Yeah. It's intense. It's intense. And you really get to know them and you really because you have to know, like, are is it good enough that you're gonna risk not risk, but like take a chance and yeah. travel to see each other next time? And also I think it's it's not like, oh my god, he's gonna come visit me. He loves me forever. It's like, no, I'm pretty much aware he's gonna come visit me it means he's interested. I'm interested. We're gonna see how it goes. Yeah. You know, it's not this like he's moving across the world for me because Moving is easy for them. And yeah, it's yeah, something yeah, they naturally yeah. do, right? It's not a massive romantic gesture. Yeah, it's exactly. It's kind just of like inbuilt in it, but let's make an effort. Exactly. And you have to make an effort. And also it makes it really scary because um, I mean, I've bought 
tickets for a weekend to go see someone. Yeah. Like I've flown for a weekend mm-hmm. and I'm like, just to see, you know, why to not? Explore, yeah. To explore, to see if I'm interested in, in this happening, like continuing or not. And I've met people, you know, a few weeks ago in Thailand. Um, great conversation. Like it was great for like a whole week. And we're like, okay, if this goes well, you know, I'll be going here and then I'll be going there and then maybe I can go visit you in Bali. And I was like, cool, that'd be super nice to see how it goes. That crashed and burned very proudly <laughs> on my end. <laughs> That's another story. Um, but it's kind of like, you're not in, this, in your head where it's like, oh my God, you know, it's forever yeah. because they're going to come visit you. It's like, no. And I think it's hard finding people that are willing to take that chance because it's not easy. It's, it's, no, it's, you're, it's, you're scary. Being, it's scary. You're being vulnerable. You're like, accepting that you are interested in this person and and what also happens I think that I've learned is I'm willing to do that I think it's important to have your expectations and your communication very clear because of I've gone to visit people and the moment you buy that flight they just change completely they freak Mm. out and Mm. they like and they just they become a different person instead of saying like oh my god this is too much pressure I'm not sure I want you to come visit me I'm not ready for this they just just change and then you're like what what just happened you know Yeah. (laughs) yeah I know And you know what? I'm really proud of you because you have leaned in and embraced that level of vulnerability because it's who you are. Like that's what I love about you. That's how we connected. Do you remember when we first met and it was this straight connection because both of us are extremely open people and we're like, here is my heart (laughs) and that's how we just fell madly in love. But that's like the kind of people we are and that's who you deserve as well is someone who is like, Yep, I see your vulnerability. Yeah, like this kind of I'm just a bit scared and in my head about this but can communicate that and not just kind of play these games. Yeah. We're too old for that shit. We're too old for that, yeah. And, I mean, it's made me my whole experience in this dating nomad life just more of a communicative person. Yeah, like, 100%. It's not easy. It, has, yeah. it is not easy to say the things I've I say. I've seen you grow from 2019 to who you are today. And it's such a huge testament to see how your willingness to communicate and to be more open and to own and be accountable for your stuff. Like I've seen you flourish and grow in that. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, but it's it's not. Yeah, I tell my mom about the things that I'll say kind of and she's like, oh, my God, like you're so crazy. How do you say these things? I'm like, well. Because I'm not going to, like, I have to say them because yeah. you're going to leave yeah. in two days. 100%. And, like, you have to leave things clear because if not, it, this, like, lack of clarity just makes things messy. And then it's just better to say it. And it's not easy. You know, it's no. not, like, your heart is pounding and you make all these conversations in your head and you're just there. And it's just, like, but the moment you get it out, it's, like, okay. I'm I've been honest yeah. on my side. Yeah, totally. That was, like, last year when David was in the UK after we'd just hung out for a couple of days and he was in the UK on a family hung holiday. <laughs> we did. That's all we did. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> and, I, and I just had this moment of going, I want to ask him to come back to Bali for a couple of weeks and it's crazy. This is so ridiculous. And I had this phone conversation with him I and I was like, look, I'm just going to put it out there. Do you want to come back to Bali for a couple of weeks? I'll pay for half your flights, you know, because yeah. it's fair. Like if you're going to make exactly. the trip, I'm happy to to pay half of it. And he was like, oh, I don't know. And that kind of felt like rejection for me, you know. And I was like, just have a think about it, whatever. And he did. And he ended up coming back and then we kept talking and stuff after that. And it just, you know, obviously it's worked out and everything's great. But 
that came from that willingness to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. and to ask something a little bit crazy, which maybe a lot of people would be like, you're nuts. Why would you do that? And it's like, well, this is what's real for me. This is what I would love to make happen. And and I want to give us an opportunity just to have some time and explore stuff together. And you just have to do it. Yeah. And 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 the right person will hear it the right way and be willing, willing to join you on the ride. Yeah. And I think it's interesting what you say about like, I'll offer to pay half the price. I think that's super valid. It's like, you, it's a leap. It's a leap yeah. in every it's kind a leap of way. It's a leap for both of us. And you want that commitment on the other side as well. Yeah. Kind of like, yeah, cool. Or, you know, yeah, come, I'll book the hotel. You yeah. just get here. You know, yeah. that kind of stuff. There has to be some kind of like commitment on the other end to show mm. like, yeah, I'm, I'm in it as well. I'm also taking a leap. Mm. Emotionally and financially. <laughs> um, what are you most afraid of? What, in life? Yeah, I or? guess so. <laughs> a bit, bit of a... I'm like, what was... You read that in our card last yesterday for dinner. I know, I know. We, we had dinner. We had dinner last night. They had these like extreme... Personal, com- yeah. Personal conversation questions. Not the type of questions you'd want to ask on a first date. But yeah. you asked me this yesterday, so I'm going to ask you back. What am I afraid of? What are you most afraid of? Living this nomadic life. Maybe we can corner it down to that. It doesn't have to be. Um, I think the financial aspect, that's my biggest fear. Mm. That's my thing where I'm like. I I feel that. Yeah. That's my biggest thing where like I want to be able to, you know, 15 years from now, not have to worry financially mm. about anything. Not just live being able to live a comfortable life. I don't yeah. have to be a freaking millionaire. I mean, I would like, I will be a millionaire. <laughs> you have to like manifest it and all that. But, um, but yeah, I think that's my biggest thing. Um, do you think that that's how much of that I wonder is rational? Like it's something that we truly need versus societal pressure that's told us that we, you know, need a level of financial security at some point. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I think it's half and half, but I really think I don't want to be, you know, 55, 60 and working I like I'm yeah, working now. Yeah, hundred percent. That's it. I want to be able to not work as much, and yeah, I mean, I do so. my hobby still, but like, <laughs> um, just live other things of life where I'm not. Where my main concern isn't making money. Where I'm still gonna be working, doing things I love, but not stressing out about am I gonna make ends meet kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, just knowing that you have rent. Yeah, exactly, not worrying about rent. Just being like, okay, I got enough to live, and you know, this extra money is going to make me very happy. Mm. And if I decide not to work this month because I want to go with my grandkids or my kids at this point, because fifteen years from now, I'm not going to have any yeah, grandkids. Yeah, I don't think you can <laughs> um, grandkids at that My kids, um, to travel and show them something, I'll yeah. do it, you know? So yeah. I, I want to have that. Because I still want to be able to do things. Like, I'd love to have, like, a little, eventually, my house somewhere in, uh, like, a photography studio. Of, but, like, a real black and white developing mm. Red room, black mm. room, I don't know how they call them in English. I'd love that. That's like, I'd like that. And dogs and, you know, have the home, home base. Yeah. Somewhere later down the track. I feel the financial security thing. I think that's something I wonder for myself whether I just mostly ignore or. Well, I see you and I think you're financially very much more savvy than I am. And you have I'm a way hustler. much. Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's some of that. But for sure, there's still a part of me that's like, I don't know that there's enough yet, you know, to. <laughs> if you don't know there's enough, you if you saw my bank account right now, I'd be like, <laughs> I saw my bank account in Panama the other day and I was like, I got 
Seven dollars. <laughs> yeah. What? I mean, I have my money in my other bank, so I have to just yeah, transfer it. Yeah. But still, it's like, ooh, okay. Yeah. But then also, like, I've been here before. I think when I was working in outdoor ed, um, I remember this one month, my I couldn't pay off my credit card that month by mm. like a thousand dollars or something, like or less. And I was freaking out. Like I was just about to like go back to Panama, blah blah blah. Like I because I was at least like I might not have like a big investment mind, but I know how to use a credit card. Like I pay off my credit card every month. I don't owe anyone, mm. any bank, anything. Um, so not being able to pay it was a big thing of like, oh my god, I'm freaking out. Um, but then life happened and see where I am now, and it's like, okay, money comes, money goes. You know, yeah. you have to be there's like a limit between YOLO. <laughs> Yeah. And then like, all right, you know, you have to be smart. Rainy day. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go and buy five hundred dollars shirts or yeah. you know, two hundred dollars shoes. Like it, those things don't bring me any value at no. all. Yeah. But I will buy a flight that's six hundred dollars to go to Japan. You know, yeah. and you know, there's like there's things that, that bring just, me value. Exactly. And happiness. It's just different different metric exactly of things. Um I I often think, I think for me, what I've said is, you know, I'm really willing to work and do whatever it takes. So it's a means to be able to live the life I'm living. And so whatever I need to work, I'm happy to do that because I feel like I'm fulfilled in doing all these other things. And I get to work on passion projects like this podcast cost me money. It doesn't earn me anything, but it's something that I love doing and love putting out there. So by working, I get to facilitate this. And by working, I get to facilitate the awesome lifestyle that's focused around diving and activities and snowboarding and stuff like that. But it is like, that is ultimately a big sacrifice though, because by being away, by, you know, not perhaps like applying my law degree, I could earn a lot more money staying in Australia, being a lawyer, but I wouldn't be fulfilled either. So it's just like this catch 22. So you kind of, yeah, as you said, find the balance between YOLO and it's like, I'm going to go and do the things that make me really happy. The cost of that is less money, but somehow in that I have to navigate a way to be more financially free and set myself up to hopefully be financially successful but that is hard as well when you're having a lot of fun yeah and booking too many massages yeah or buying a lot of free diving gear yeah oh my god yeah um do you feel supported in what you're doing in life by whom anyone 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 everyone yeah I do I feel your parents have come around a lot. Oh yeah, then. like so, like they are. The story of my dad's so email. Yeah. Um. A year later, they were visiting me, and so in 2019, before the pandemic, they came to Southeast Asia. We went to Vietnam. I took them to Cambodia, and they came to Bali. And I remember the first night we were in Bali, we were in Anak. Georgie, our friend George, was there. Um, and he, my dad was there, and he looked at me, and he's like, "I, I understand why you live here." I was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, since we got to Ahmed, you're glowing. Like, and hearing my dad said that, wow. say that was like, and then at night, I remember George was saying my house and he was like, your dad's so cool. And like, blah, blah. I was like, I'm going to read you this email that I got a year ago. And I read it and I was crying and I was like, and he said that now, you know? Yeah. And a f- like a year ago in April, we were traveling um, around Portugal. I had some work meetings and he was in the room. And when I hung up, he was like, you were like, you know, 
you got this, you know, yeah. I hear you talking and like, you know, your stuff and yeah. you're, you know, and it's just kind of nice, like, oh, you know, when your dad's proud of you. And I mean, when I go back home, I, I went to buy some rope for, for my freediving, like my buoy. And he was at the shop and he was like, yes, she needs the rope because she dives super deep. She's the national record holder. And like, she needs, can you believe it? They hold their breath and they dive. And I was just like, dad, the guy that cuts the rope doesn't need to. He doesn't care, dad. Yeah, and he was just so proud. And I was like, yeah. that's pretty sweet. Um, but yeah, I think all of them are, they, they're like, yeah, she's the crazy traveling aunt or daughter and Every cousin and needs everyone one. family needs one. Yeah. yeah. And I'll be happy to like add on. Like, I'm, like, I can't wait for my nieces to be old enough to be like, you're coming with me on a trip and just take them yeah, out, you yeah. know? I'd love that. Um, but, yeah, I feel no one's against my life. So, I mean, all my friends are like, just come back. Like, what are we going to do for you to stay? Like, we really want you to stay. And actually, this past time I was in Panama was the first time when I left that I was like, oh, I feel like coming back. You know, like, I feel mm -hmm. like it'd be nice to have a place here as well to call home and just be able to. I think my ideal situation would be like, Five months in Panama, five months in Bali, and then two months of, like, winging it and seeing, you know, two weeks here, two, you know, like, that would be a really nice. And and having a home in each one where I can leave my stuff, where I don't yeah. have to be a turtle that travels with all her stuff in her. Do tell me I about travel, it. Oh. Yeah, but you've seen me and how I, I, like, I have I double the amount of stuff you do. <laughs> I like, I, I had a 20-kilo bag for seven-day trip to Sulawesi just now. I was like, how? How? How, how do I do this? Legit. How? how? Stop. You think you'd learn by now I after don't. all these years? I don't. And it's not even the clothes that much at this point. It's just like I'll travel with all my face stuff. So like I have like a million creams and mm. like all this. Stuff. But it's, it's things that make a place feel like home. I'll travel with like my essential oils and my diffuser. Yeah, yeah. I'll travel with my watercolors. <laughs> so extra. I'll travel with um what I mean all our free diving gear. Just the free diving gear is free diving is heaps. But I you know what I completely agree with you in that it's all those little things. The consistency of it is what makes our lifestyle not feel like you're backpacking. Exactly. Because I remember when I was backpacking, I'm like, skin kit, don't do need it. Yeah. <laughs> um, like more than five pairs of undies, don't, don't need it. Like you just don't need It's like I'll just wear the same shirt for a week yeah, yeah. and she'll be right. <laughs> and, you know, but you have that feeling of you're a bit of a dingy backpack and you're moving around, whatever. Yeah. You don't care. It's like, I mean, I love the minimalist lifestyle, but there are things like, a skincare routine. It's, do you know what I think it is? It's incorporating more routine into this chaotic life that we yeah. live. So we're just finding different ways to have certain routines, which are super healthy yeah. and productive for the brain and for our lives. Like it's what's yeah, yeah. needed. Exactly. So that's one of the sacrifices. Yeah. You know. And like the first thing I'll do when I, when I get to, a place I'll have like a whole bunch of pictures that I travel with I'll yeah. put them up and then wherever I go I'll put them up and it's just a, it becomes home it doesn't yeah. become a hotel room yeah. I think it's funny as well because I have like we have friends they live downstairs or across the street and it's so they're guys and like they just they have nothing, they, they have nothing. No. they're just like ah. and like I got plants now and like I got a like a really comfortable chair and mm. it's just I want a place to feel like home I don't want a place to feel like a hotel room at this yeah. point yeah um, I get that I, I just, I, I need that, you know, I need that sense of, and I, what I've learned in this 
time traveling is how important space is for me, mm. like having a good space. So I don't mind spending a little bit more than I have to. Like I'd rather spend more and have a good place than be like super stingy and, and stay in a place that I don't want to be. Well, that's the difference between that backpacker life. Uh, that used to be me. I like. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about the hostel a group of us went to in Cambodia? Was it Cambodia? No, it was in um, Laos, sorry. And it was like five bucks each a night. <laughs> yeah. And I've uh, seen, yeah. <laughs> there were we found two condoms. Ew. One on the side of the bed Used that I was ones? meant to be sleeping in. Used? Bro, I don't, I don't know. I, I was just, just like, oh. Ugh. And and then there was another one somewhere else. And we let the staff know. That's gross. I don't think I've ever felt so dirty sleeping well, in my entire life. You like, know what I had, which is the best? It's a sleep sack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. I had one of those. And the, I put the, it the like, sleeping bag liners. Yeah, that's exactly. what that's and what I didn't I my head in. did not touch anything. Nothing. Like nothing. No. That was that was the best thing 100%, on your hundred percent. A hundred percent. That's what you have to have. I've had some like horrific backpacker experiences. And I agree. That's what's important about a nomadic life is you need to go, what are the comforts that I need yeah. to maintain this so that I don't feel resentful towards this life? So, yeah, would definitely rather pay a little bit more and have a nicer space. Yeah, for sure. Mm. That's a big one for me, space. And I just need it. I need that morning routine. I like having a nice view and I like having nice light. Like windows, people don't think that there's – like. I've stayed in places without windows and I want to, like, it's horrible. And I get to a no, point, I'm like. That's so bad for your health. It's so bad. And there's so many of them. When I was less financially stable, <laughs> I'd have to, like, choose the cheap ones. And I remember once I moved from one place to the next because it didn't have windows. And I get to the room and there was no windows. And I was like, I just had this moment. I remember just sitting in the bed and bawling and just being like, I just want to have you a need place light. for me. Like, we need light. Yeah. But. If there's a lot of places that now at least they warn you. So now I always read like no windows. I'm like, never. No. Never. That's sad. And it is. Yeah. No, not good for you. <laughs> if you could go back and give your 25 year old self some advice, what 25 year old self? Yeah, I was gonna say 18, and I'm like, 18's real young though. You know, 25 was a good point of like making decisions, being more independent and stuff. Yeah. So I went with 25. Anyway, so going back to your 25-year-old self, what advice would you give her? I think my 25-year-old self was pretty badass. Um, oh, I would tell her, don't get into that master's, buy an apartment instead. <laughs> Pay the down payment. That's it. Yeah. 100% because I was making way more money and I had a good amount of savings. Mm. Um that's the only thing I would tell her really. She was pretty cool. When I was 25, I was paddling a lot. So I was already like full on into sports and training. And that really gave me routine and community and motivation and, yeah. you know, all of that, which I do you think do that now. you knew that you were a badass when you were 25? Um, yeah, I think I was, I was, I've, yeah, I think I was pretty cool. I was, Let's say like my relationship trauma hadn't happened at that point of yeah. like, so I was actually, I would say I was pretty naive when it came yeah. to relationships. Um, yeah, I think it was that. Yeah, I mean, surely. obviously I had moments of, you know, uh, the whole like go kind of ghosting you or playing with you and I'd be like, you know, why don't they like me, blah, 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 all this stuff. But it wasn't this like deep, deep breaking point that I lived a few years after that. Mm. Um so it's still her. I still it was still a thing, but it wasn't the thing. Mm. Um, 
And then when I was like 25, 26, I started like my last relationship that I had, like my, well, my second like real relationship kind of started around that time. Um, and he thought I was a badass. Like, you know, like we broke up because of insecurities on his end and like yeah. jealousy that I wasn't like, I didn't take it anymore. I was like kind of like boundaries, but he always made me feel like I was a badass. And I thought mm. that was really cool. Like he really was like, you're fucking amazing all the time. And awesome. it was really, yeah. And I, and I kind of, I really missed that. Cause then after that I had men in my life who made me feel the opposite, made me feel like yeah. I was crazy and too much and blah, blah, blah. So thank you, ex-boyfriend. You're a good example. Thank you things. to all the ex-boyfriends. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like shaped you to who you are yeah. today because it it taught you a lot about yourself and some deeper things and unfortunately traumatized you in certain ways. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you are who you are ultimately. Yeah. So 25, it was, it was good. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think the financial thing there and then just, again, telling myself at that age, like, you are a grown-up. Like, you are, you are living yeah. your life. The thing is... Back home in Latin America in general, you don't really live by yourself, you know? So I lived with my parents and I think yeah, that was Asian the thing where I felt, yeah. Even though I paid rent, like my dad never asked me for rent, but it was the minimum thing I felt I could do. So mm. I would, I would always, I still do. I still kind of like pay them. And it's not like they ask you to, it's like the minimum thing you can do is help out yeah. in the, in the family household in a way, yeah. Yeah. you know? And I'm happy I can do it. And like when I did like this whole budget thing of like what my dream life would look like and how much I would have to earn per per month a chunk of it is like I want to be able to send my family this much money mm. every month and that would make me very happy for my grandparents or for my parents because they've done that for me my whole life growing up and I know it's your parents are supposed to but why not you know and I understand not all families are the same and not all families have the same relationship so I don't expect it to be like a thing but I am very fortunate that I have very loving parents that it's like the least I want to be able to do is help yeah, you out. Yeah, something that you genuinely want, want to, to do, do yeah. not something that you feel obligated exactly. to. Exactly. Yeah. And if you – what is something that you would like to tell yourself, let's say 10 years from now, your 45-year-old self, <laughs> that you want to remind yourself of, you know, if you could say something to her in the future and go, hey, it's Mariantha from the past, <laughs> what's something you want to remember? From now? Yeah. Um. What's something I want to bring from my life now? I just think I want to, I think I'll be still living this much gratitude, I would say. I hope I'm as grateful for my eyesight as I am now. Like, I'm still so grateful for, my, for being able to see properly. Um, I think that that'll be a great one. Just being, embracing how healthy I am in a way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. We didn't talk about health. Health is a big one when you have a digital nomad lifestyle kind of. Like, insurance. People, if you travel, get insurance. Travel insurance. Travel insurance, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to cover medical stuff. Like, Yeah. I think that's a big one yeah. for any tips. What else? What other tips do you have for people Anyone. who might want to live give, this. This, give this nomadic life a go? I would say have medical insurance or travel insurance. Get an eSIM when you arrive to a new country beforehand. It makes your life so much easier. Just if you can get it eSIM and then you get one afterwards that's one of the latest ones that I'm like oh it's just so nice always research your visa oh yeah stuff in advance well, that's no <laughs> you say oh yeah like oh it's so obvious dude I was at the airport yesterday leaving Brisbane and this couple were there 
checking in for their flight and she's like, do you have a flight out? And they're like, no, we're just going to go with the flow, whatever. And it's like, we can't let you on. <laughs> you have to buy a flight right then and then. You have to, you have to have a flight there out. There are websites that do this for you, by the way. I told them. <laughs> um, but yeah, research your visa stuff. Know your limits. Do not overstay visas. That's yeah. I'm well, I'm Colombian and Panamanian, so that's like, you're just, it's in your DNA. And you have visa anxiety as like, it's a thing. I think actually that's something people don't realize about this nomadic life when it comes to countries that aren't as privileged oh, to yeah. have it's a privilege. an incredible passport. Like yeah. me, being an Aussie, I don't have the same level of anxiety when it comes to visa applications. You know, I know I can go to Japan and stay for 90 days. It's not an issue. I get there and I'm stamped through. Yeah. It's not a problem. I don't... I very rarely have to apply for a visa in advance. I think the only one I've ever had to is Argentina, I think, or Chile perhaps, and Russia. And then like USA, you just do the – the, Yeah, the yeah. ESTA, the visa waiver. Lucky I'm so you, lucky. You so I'm lucky. so, so fortunate yeah. to have an Aussie passport. And I think for a lot of people who – live this kind of life, like they come from countries with very powerful passports. Yeah. But when you're someone who comes from a country with not such a powerful passport like you, that is like oh. it comes at a cost, a financial cost and a bit yeah. of anxiety too. Yeah. Like I went to Thailand. Everyone's like, yeah, come to Thailand, come to Thailand. I'm like, I need a visa for Thailand. I yeah, have let to, me check. <laughs> I have to either apply. So if I was in Panama or Colombia, I'd have to send my passport for a month and a half, which means for a month and a half you can't travel. Yeah. In or out, yeah. Because if you're Colombian, you have you have, I have two passports. I have to f get into Colombia with my Colombian passport, and I have to go into Panama with my Panamanian passport. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So if I send one out, I can't really travel between countries, which I needed to do. Um, it's a month and a half. It's a long time. Yeah. And then you never know if they're gonna ask for another document or blah blah. blah you know. So what I had to do is book my flights to go to KL, get a visa appointment there, wait for two day, like wait a night, but you book two nights because you never know if they're going to ask for a paper, you know, like you have all these things and then fly to yeah. Bangkok. It just makes everything much more expensive. Yeah, you're much paying for that extra flight. And even the like the anxiety you get, you until I see the thing on my passport, I'm not calm. I'm mm. just like, they, they can say no. They can yeah. just say no, Yeah. period. Um, the US is a pain in the yeah. butt to get as well. Like you have to... They're worried about the, all you Latinos going there yeah. and stealing jobs. No, but it's just even even getting the the interview, it can take up to a year to get the interview. A year of waiting. You know, it's yeah, it's ridiculous. crazy, you know, things like that. But I remember I had a, a German boyfriend and we were going to the Philippines and I checked like ten times, like, do I need a do I need a visa? Do I not need I was so stressed. And he's like, Why are you stressing out? And I'm like, yeah, one of the top five passwords, like F top you German. It's probably top number three. one. Well, I think I think Singapore year. is like number one. Yeah, I think Germany is like number yeah. two. So I was like, you'll never understand no, this. No, no, you really never. won't. Um, so yeah, luckily I didn't need what we need. You didn't need to have that uh, flight out ticket thing. Mm. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, every time I go anywhere, we're going to Japan. I have to get a visa. I know. Luckily, there's a consulate in Panama, so I can do it there. But everywhere, yeah, you have to think about that. Number so, one. research visas. Any other tips? Um, I'm going to say travel light, but it's a lie because I don't travel light. Travel light if you can. If you can, yeah. it's. I love it when I have just to carry on. Yeah. And I go... Also, you know, appreciate, appreciate roller bags. I used to yeah. always have a big backpack and that was my life. And then it was fucking heavy. And then you have to walk a lot sometimes. 
obviously sometimes the roller bag is uncomfortable if there's like rocks and Stairs, stuff. Yeah. But they're so nice in the airport. Just like mm-hmm. mm. so I really appreciate roller bags now. That's mm. one. And travel slow. I think moving less is yeah. much better for a working remote kind exactly. of life. I and like six weeks I know at least. The challenge for you is the time zone change, hey. Like for me, remember when I was in Canada, I mean we were yeah. just talking about this this morning, that was horrible for meetings because I was having 5, 6 a.m. meetings in the middle of winter. I wanted to die. And then now being back in the southern hemisphere and just being working around this two-hour time yeah. zone, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. Um, but, yeah, the – I think being able to stay at least four weeks in a place, mm. because, uh, for me at least, like this whole one week in one place, one week in another, I know it's going to be so hard. Because it's exhausting. Again, you, like, you have to, your whole bag and you have to like open the bag and you never really unpack and like yeah, it's this yeah. thing of never unpacking. So I'm going to try real hard to just have like one carry-on where I'll have all my clothes. It's all, it's colder clothes as well. Just have that. And then just be able to close the other stuff and not open it at all. Yeah. Because it's that thing of living off a bag that I really don't enjoy. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that's a big one. I would say as well that you don't have to make some grand commitment and this forever plan. Like yeah. I'm not, you know, for for both of us, neither of us planned to live like a long nomadic life. Yeah. It's just we have found ourselves and we're still here and I'm, you know, kind of in Port Douglas and stuff and it's just you don't have to come up with this set plan that's fixed and stick to it. I think it's also okay to try and decide whether it's for you or not. Yeah. And be flexible with yourself. Be kind to yourself with changing your mind if you need to or going back or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Always being able to to come back. Like once um, she wasn't a therapist, like my yoga teacher, she was like, what is the worst thing that can happen? Like, you know, what – like. If you don't have a job, you have no money, what would you do? It's like, I'd call my family and ask them to help me out to go back. And they're like, exactly. You yeah. have like, and what do you do for work? I was like, I'll get a job as a waitress. I don't care. I'll get a job. You know, I don't have a, it's like, exactly. So like your fears are not survival fears. Mm. I think that was a really important like lesson or, 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 you know, thing I heard. Like your fears are not survival. Like you do have people, you have a roof over your head, you have food on your plate. And like that is, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't feel a certain way. It just yeah. means it gives you a perspective of like, I'm going to be okay. Yeah, it doesn't invalidate the feeling. It's a real, it's it's still a genuine fear. It's just the brain not being able to discern and differentiate between an actual threat versus a threat that we've created yeah. kind of in our head yeah. and we're anxious about. Yeah. And I think one thing I would say if you're living this kind of life, always have like an emergency fund for flights because you never know. If you have to fly one day to the next, something happened back home, will I just be able to be like, okay, this is the money. Mm. Like I have a certain amount of money that I know Yeah. if something happens, I have that yeah. and it'll cover most of my flight, if not all of the flight, you know? I think that's something that – but then it's a very personality. I also – I'm a bit of a planner and like um, I like knowing – kind. like I booked my flight for the end of the year two months ago or something. I like knowing a bit where I'm going to be. Yeah, I do too. I think that gives me some comfort. Yeah. yeah. Having a, not a schedule, but like knowing where you're going to be. That. A rough And it also gives least. you excitement of like, oh, cool. I'm going to be in Greece. I'm going to be in, oh, I'm going to see you again, you know, yeah, when I went yeah. to Nadeep. I'm like, I'm so excited to see my friends again. Yeah. And Oh, goodness. Ooh. Sorry. <laughs> awesome. I mean, 
that's a pretty decent insight. I oh, think one into this kind thing. of life. Yeah, tell me. Um, when you travel, one of the tips: think about the stuff that you would really need if you get sick. So, I always have. I'm like a freaking walking pharmacy at this point. Um, like, I, and then my friends kind of take advantage of it because they always use up my ibuprofen and never give it back. Because I have the stuff that you might need. Again, I'm a planner. I'm a, I'm like that medium point between, you know, YOLO and then having like my feet on the ground. Yeah. Um, sometimes you don't get, like there's countries where you can't get antibiotics very easily. There's countries where you can't get some of the things you might need if you, yeah. if you suffer from tonsillitis. I suffer from tonsillitis pretty bad. So I always have these antibiotics just in case. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good one. Stuff that you're not sure you're going to get in other places, just take it with you. It'll make life easier. Yeah, unless you're in Indo. Yeah, in or Mexico. You can get anything. <laughs> you know, I was in Mexico. I was like, why are there pharmacies every block? And they say these huge signs like they have like... Um, we'll sell you anything. Retinol, antibiotics, anabolics, like everything. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, because in the States, you can't get anything. Yeah. Including birth control. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, well, in, you know, in like Oz, birth have... control is... um. A script is prescription. Really? Yeah, you have to go get a script from a doctor. That's insane. Yeah. That's in to me, that's like okay, like how are you considered a first world country when you limit women being able to choose? I think to be fair, I I think it's so that you discuss with your doctor what's gonna be suitable. You understand more of like side effects and things. And then you can actually like have a discussion with a medical professional to make a more informed decision. Anyone takes birth control out of like, I'm just gonna buy birth control. Like like where you you get prescribed birth control, but then you can just go buy it every month freely, naturally, easily. Mm. You know? Yeah, I think perhaps like after a certain point of using I mean, I don't like birth control. We've had this conversation. I'm not for it. Exactly. (laughs) Not traveling thing. So if you need birth control, sometimes just take it with you. (laughs) That's something I travel with, for example. Like I buy Six months worth of it because I'm like, I don't know if they're going to have the same yeah. one because yeah, yeah. many companies change the names and whatever. Yeah. Like that's that's one that I would consider. So, yeah. All these things. Great these tips. Things. Yeah. And yeah, just know, know that it comes with a cost, but it's yeah. worth it. Yeah, yeah. If you – I've had people say like, I'm so jealous of you. And then in my head I'm like, no, you're not. You have ten times the amount of money I do. If you wanted to live this life, you could live this life. But I don't think you really want it. Exactly. I think that's the thing. When people have said to me, you know, you're living the dream life, my response is usually I'm living my My dream life. Like this is what I want to be doing. I'm so happy. I'm stoked with all the things that I get to do. I feel like I'm living my purpose. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it's a set picture for everyone else. Exactly. I think – people romanticize the life because they just see it as you said like oh you're on this never-ending holiday to be honest I don't think anyone wants to be on holiday all the time one it would get boring and you're not contributing to the world in a positive way if you were actually just on holiday mode it's like I think we as humans enjoy being productive and to be working and to be adding to stuff right so you're not on this never-ending holiday you're just changing what it means to have security and comfort and stuff and reframe it into yeah. a different way we just work differently yeah and I think it's very like I see my best friend and we're the same age like a day apart and her life is so different than mine you know she lives in the suburbs she has three kids and yeah yeah but that's her like that is what she's always wanted mm-hmm. and I'm so happy and like it's so nice because we have such different lives but we can still support each other and really yeah, understand totally. that we're both doing exactly what we want 
Yeah. I think it's it's just funny to see that big contrast because it's a it's a big difference, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's great. I think that there are costs to every decision mm -hmm. and sacrifices for everything. I think the best thing is that we're just actively choosing the kind of life that we want to live. And whether that's on the road, whether that means, you know, sacrificing the potential to meet partners, to have relationships, or whether that's you actively want to be rooted in one place with a house and family and kids yeah. or whatever. And maybe in 10 years, that's what I want to Yeah. Do, and that's fine. Like, I think the important thing is, like you said, like, you can always come back. You can always go back. Like, making this step of, like, I'm going to go nomad or live somewhere else. You can always change what it is that you're doing exactly. if it's really what you want to do. Exactly. I think that's, an, that's something valuable regardless of what position you're in. Like it doesn't have to be like this forever. Nothing's permanent. Exactly. And I think that's something that people forget when you're in a situation. I think it's you... also scary. Oh, yeah. Because then you have to make active decisions, right? Then it's not just like, oh, I've just ended up here and I'm just going to pick this forever. It's like knowing that you could change things if you wanted to is both empowering and brings the accountability back to you. It's on you. It's on you. It's on you, boo. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Mariantho. You're welcome, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. You can plug some stuff. What do you want to plug? Oh, oh plug, plug yourself. Oh, yeah, like, not, pl not plug. Okay. But um, if people want to follow you on oh, they can follow me Lagram. Lagram, Mariantho underscore V, like UV. How do you call it in English? It's V. It's V. <laughs> well, we have like... And yeah, that's pretty much all my socials. I And it's one is more than enough, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, we do enough marketing and stuff. Yeah. As it is. And I just scroll way too much. Yeah, fair enough. But and yeah. that's where you can follow all of your great adventures and see some of your beautiful yes. work. And yeah, and if you have any questions about Panama, I'll be happy to answer. If you want to go um, to Panama, it's a great place to visit. Aww. Maybe you live if you really like it. Yeah. And any uh, hot single digital nomad guys? <laughs> apparently, to a, reach apparently out. people go there a lot now. Like growing Panama. up. Panama. Panama. Growing up, I felt really, I, had, I have a lot of friends, but many times I felt like I didn't have a community mm. um, of like my, like. Similar people to you. Yeah. Like I had my community of paddlers. They're my friends. But it was like, I was something lacking there. Mm. Um. And apparently there's a really big international community there now that I'm like, I'm always like, where are they? Where do they live? Where yeah. do they hide? If you are watching this, please come and find her. <laughs> Reach out to me on social media. Let me make sure that you're like decent human first. And exactly. then I'll like do some of the vetting work. <laughs> She'll be the FBI agent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will do all the cyber stalking for you first. Uh, all right. Well, thank you for listening to the show. Thanks for tuning in. You can listen to this show anywhere you get your podcast. You can watch it on YouTube. You can follow the show on Instagram at self double underscore podcast. You can follow me at Amanda Latran. That's Amanda L-A-T-R-A-N. I release episodes every Thursday, so I will see you next week. Thank you and goodbye. Thanks, Marietto. Bye-bye. Ciao. Bye.